You are listening to the Musician Today weekly podcast with Vera Bermenko. Tune in for your insight into a professional musician's life and awesome new music. Welcome to another episode of Musician Today podcast, where we try to bring you the most amazing artists around the world. And I think today's episode is going to be something that we've all been expecting for a while. And because today we have with us the most amazing snake charmer and bagpiper Archie J on our YouTube channel and Facebook. So if you guys are watching, say hi, don't be shy, comment and like. And hey, welcome. <laughs> so Archie is the known as the Snake Charmer on her YouTube channel, and she's getting rave reviews worldwide for her piping skills, particularly her unique takes on popular music like the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Power Rangers, Shipping Up to Boston, Amazing Grace, and after and with her original music track Nagina, she gained a wide appreciation of over 5.7 million views currently on just that one song. The Snake Charmer's YouTube channel has now surpassed 513,000 subscribers and reached 200 million views. Wow. <laughs> so before picking up the pipe, though, she was a well-known vocalist, and Archie was particularly inspired by the folk metal band Elevati and their extraordinary bagpiper. Her method of playing the instrument, as she acknowledges, is actually not traditional. Archie's recognition outside of her home country has been uh, steadily rising since the video version of ACDC's soundtrack went viral, grabbing global attention and inviting interviews with the BBC Radio Scotland and the Express UK. The American metal band Lamb of God also publicly shared her her version of the song. And in addition, California-based composer Bear McCreary, composer for The Outlander and Assassin's Creed and The Walking Dead, and Ron Weisman, composer for The Power Rangers and many other soundtracks, they have acknowledged her work on The Pipes. <laughs> Archie has been awarded India's first professional female bagpiper as a um, bagpiper player by the President of India in 2018. And she is currently playing a semi-electronic bagpipe called Red Pipes, and her playing breaks the stereotypes of what bagpiping is usually perceived to be so wow <laughs> welcome to the show <laughs> i'm like wow. my heart is racing from all the excitement <laughs> I thought mine was. yeah <laughs> so you guys before we go any further you can find archie always on her youtube as the snake charmer and you can find her on facebook at forward slash the snake charmer 03 on instagram as the snake charmer backpiper on twitter at this um this snake th snake charmer yeah it's a little shorter than the others so wow welcome to the show thank you so much for being here we can't wait to hear all your story and your awesome music thank you Vera. thank you so much for having me at your awesome podcast at this show and actually going live on youtube with me Yay, thanks. All right, so I guess the first question would be, how did your love for the bagpipe evolve? How did you come up with your unique style that you are playing today? Well, uh, okay, I'll address those questions in two parts then. Okay, sure, go for <laughs> so, it. Uh, you know, like, um, a lot of people, are, actually, obviously, I get this a lot because you don't see an Indian brown-skinned girl playing the bagpipe. It's not, like, a very common uh, notion. But... Um, I've always been a person who's been always uh, who's always been attracted to something which is different, unique, something you know, just being 
able to stand out from the crowd and things like that. And I think part of that characteristic of mine, uh, when I met uh, bagpipes, you know, when bagpipes happened to me, I think that both the characteristics of bagpipes and me kind of blended in and I fell in love with bagpipes. So the first time I think, uh, the first time in fact uh, that I loved bagpipes, that I actually got completely blown away by bagpipes is when I watched the video of the band you mentioned, LYD. Uh, they're a Swiss folk metal band and <clears throat> I I was blown away when I watched Innis Mona, which is a song. And I see uh, the that, that there was a bagpiper in that band and who's like banging, like head banging, and you know playing the bagpipes like a fucking badass. And I'm like, wow, like what is this instrument? I mean, I knew it was bagpipes, but you know, obviously you've always seen like the more disciplined version of bagpipes, not like an outlawed bagpipes. And seeing that, that was like, this is something that I want to do. So yeah, that was the time that I absolutely felt love with the instrument so much so that I wanted to feel it. And what was your next question again? Oh, well, really just how did you evolve into the artist you are today? How did your style shape? And obviously it's all around bagpipes now. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you said, I was a vocalist before. I still sing. Uh, singing is something <clears throat> that's been a very natural procedure for me because since I was a kid, I uh, used to sing, I used to play in competitions and, you know, always used to sing at every opportunity I get and things like that. So playing an instrument was never like the uh, the thing in my mind or in my life. Uh, and when bagpipes happened to me, it was something that I had to make, uh, you know, myself get trained to, you know, train myself to do that because playing an instrument wasn't natural for me because I wasn't doing this since I was a kid. You know, I started off uh, in 2012, which is not so long ago. And uh, to play the bagpipes, you actually first have to uh, play a practice canter and then gradually uh, graduate to having a full set of bagpipes. So, you know, right from the start when I was learning the bagpipes, I'm going to do different things with the bagpipe, you know. Uh, as of when I listened to more bagpipe music, Celtic music, uh, I fell in love with it deeper. And uh, I wanted to bring my own style. I wanted to bring, you know, RTJ, like my style, into the bagpipe. So I used to jam on uh, Krillic songs on the bagpipes. I used to jam a lot of EDM songs or rock songs. I'm like, wow, this looks cool on the bagpipe, you know? Why don't I try this? So that's how actually my style of being became different. Also, I think because I never really had uh, a bagpipe school or like a bagpipe teacher one-on-one -on -one who I would go to every day, I think the lack of teacher uh, was definitely a very difficult process for me to learn the bagpipes and things. But I think that also helped me a lot of ways into developing my own style. Like, there was nobody to tell me, hey, you don't do this with the bagpipes, you know? <laughs> like, don't play nails on the bagpipes. Uh, because there was one stopping me, I just went on experimenting in different ways. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, definitely one of the reasons my style of playing is varied. Nice. That sounds awesome. Why don't we have a listen to one of your songs? So this is a cover of Drowsy Maggie. Uh -huh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ready? Enjoy.
awesome. <laughs> I love how free it sounds. It just makes you want to get up and get out and dance and <laughs> go for it. Uh, my favorite part is that huge slide, right? That you guys are doing together. That's my favorite part. So how do you go about creating music like this? Like, do you just have an idea for like a track or do you, do you discuss it with somebody? Does somebody help you? Do you produce it yourself? No, I actually work with Karan, uh, who is my music producer. He also yes. directs a lot of videos, quite a multi-talented person there. Awesome. And he has his own band called Bloody Woods, so mm-hmm. he's actually a very good musician and a guitarist himself. And uh, we've been working together on my project, The Snake Charmer, for, I think, uh, for, I think as long as it started. Uh, except probably the couple of first couple of videos and uh, we do a lot of brainstorming together on what our next short song should be and Rosy Maggie was more like an experiment to me because before this I hadn't experimented with dole and backpipes and dole and backpipes is something I have been wanting to do for I think over two years before I even started Rosy Maggie so uh, yeah I faintly introduce it to one of my earliest songs but I actually wanted that song uh, sound to be there on one of the covers so uh, Drowsy Maggie is actually a very popular Celtic song so it's a very old traditional song over like 200 year old traditional song and just the rhythm and just the just the melody you know as you said it's like it just makes you want to get up and do something you know, mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. so powerful and energetic. So I, I thought that it was like a perfect song to put Dhol in it. And then obviously another style of music that I really like was dubstep. So me and Karan talked and then we created a version of Drowsy Maggie. Uh, we went through it and then settled for this version. And then I think uh, it did really well on the internet all over. Yeah, love it. It's amazing. I love what you did with it. I love this influence of the different cultures mixed in one piece. And that's amazing. So I think that's the yeah, way to go. <laughs> yeah, of course. And sorry, see, that, that's actually one of the you know best reviews we got for the song. It was like Ooh. so many people got together. Like I never knew what I was doing. But like if you see Drowsy Maggie's YouTube comments and Facebook comments, like there are tons of people writing, hey, you know, I've got uh, Indian roots and my dad is Scottish or hey, I've got like Irish roots and something to do with Asia and things like that. And yeah. people were like, I love how the, the way you bought like both cultures together. And yeah, in fact, this song was also used in uh, quite a few Indian weddings, like uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> situations where brides were getting married to like Scottish groups and things like that. So yeah, that's I, amazing. I think quite a fit in that's, a world of misfits. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, I think that's the way to go is to create your own market. Is I've been reading a lot about you lately and I know that you basically created the market for the bagpipe music in a way that it's never been seen before. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I don't know like uh, if I want to take all that credit because uh, there have been excellent pipers uh, right now before me uh, but yes I do want to bring in something new uh, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is also that I think bagpipes is such a brilliant instrument it is so uh, it is it's so powerful you know and it's not an instrument that could settle uh, somewhere at the back and it is so uh, it is so vocal in itself you know yeah so, uh, and that kind of an instrument just being um, 
played in a traditional way or in a very disciplinary fashion, I think doesn't bring out all the potential of this instrument. Uh, if we go back, way back in, uh, I think, 15th century or something, bagpipes are actually not very disciplined or military sort of instruments. Bagpipes were actually the real outlaw instruments. You know, bagpipers <laughs> in Spain were considered to be outlaws among, I mean, you know, when you had... Uh, all these famous classical musicians playing pianos and things like that. Bagpipes are considered to be, eh, you know, like, who wants to hear this? <laughs> it's even louder. So, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of bring that psychology uh, towards bagpipes back. And uh, I think that's why I indulged myself into different kind of music and try to put and mix it with bagpipes just to see what it does. Exactly. That's true. When we jump into the unknown, that's when we create something amazing. <laughs> All right. And I absolutely love your original music. So Nagina has been my favorite for like, I don't know, as long as I've known this video. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and play that next. And I absolutely love the production of that video too. So I think you're working with an amazing team and I'm just totally impressed all throughout. <laughs> so let's have a listen. You guys are ready? Here's Nagina.
All right, awesome, epic. And this was fully original idea. So I love it so much. So how did you come up with this song? How did it come to you? <laughs> so yeah, Nagina actually doing my original was actually a very big deal and you get it. You're a musician, so you understand uh, doing an original is like a very big deal. And I wanted to do it in a grand way. I kept myself from doing originals for a very long time until I figured out what direction I want to head in. And uh, when we did Nagina, I want I knew that we want to do something very snake charmerish. You know, the tune that you hear with Nagina, the main hook line, uh, it's very uh, Middle Eastern Indian sort of a mix. It takes you somewhere visually in the deserts and you know things like that. So that's the sort of mystical element that I wanted when uh, Nagina was conceptualized. And so um, me and Karan fought over and, you know, I gave him a bunch of ideas and we didn't. In fact, this is the song which was scratched off the most amount of times before we reached to this piece, Nagina. So we made a lot of versions and scratched them off because it wasn't just going and mm -hmm. I couldn't like come out with a song which, you know, I wasn't convinced with in the first case. So I wanted to make this sound right and uh, hats off to Karan again, who is the producer for the song. He uh, find one fine day, like he comes up and sends me this intro, intro because first we were working with a very different intro and because that wasn't going anywhere, he made this intro and it was just so awesome. I blasted it in my car and I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> This is how I wanted it to sound, so it was so awesome. And then we built it on from there, and we did a couple of melodies. Hey, does this go on the backpipe? Okay, yeah, it does. Oh, no, this doesn't, and things like that. And then, you know, it was a whole process about uh, a couple of months in uh, producing a song like Nagina, you know, because it sounds uh, very different and like no other. Because, see, when you talk about backpipes, there aren't uh, so many examples you could pick from, you know, because mm -hmm. bagpipes are a very particular instrument and like I said, it's a very uh, forefront instrument. So it's not something that can be blended with every kind of music or every kind of instrument. So uh, with not having too many examples to do a reference from, uh, we really did. Ha we really did have to use our own sense and knowledge about what we th thought was best. And then uh, if you hear the uh, the bridge part, uh, you know, that thing that takes you to a trance. Oh, I love uh, it. Where, love uh, the choir <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Love the choir effect in there, love it. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> that was something that I was just humming to in the kitchen and I came running to Karan and I was like, hey, what do you think about this melody and things like that? He was like, yeah, maybe we could work something with that. And then uh, we tried to play that on the bagpipes, but it wasn't giving the effect that I wanted. And then I told him, like, hey, how about we try santur? So santur is the instrument that you hear in the oh, yeah. uh, bridge part. And uh, it just sounded so magical. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is what I want in the song. So we put this, you know, to give a break from the whole EDM and bagpipe rush. Mm -hmm. And for uh, the viewers and the listeners just to go in the trance of something so mystical that's happening in the video. So I wanted the music also to, you know, uh, be given that sort of a break. So yeah, that's how Nina was made audio-wise. And then if you talk about visuals, that's mm -hmm. another story. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like uh, shooting in a palace is not something every independent musician gets to do. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, 
Idina was actually shot in a palace. It was shot in uh, a palace called Chomu Palace, which is in Jaipur, Rajasthan, India. Wow. And uh, we were trying to do a lot of calls randomly and trying to convince him because I am not rich to hire a palace <laughs> in no way and shape. And uh, you know, we tried a bunch of places. First of all, you just don't even get the permission. Forget mm-hmm. about shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the breakthrough we got was at this palace. Uh, it was so beautiful, and the manager for this palace uh, was just so humble and so good. Apparently, he already knew about me, and he said that, "Wow, yeah, 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 we'd love her to do a shoot in mm-hmm. our uh, property." And I was like, "Wow, thank you." So they did a whole bunch of stuff for us. They hosted us. They let us stay there, and uh, for a couple of days. And a lot of people get surprised. they thought that Nagina must be like an extremely high budget video with at least about 50 people <laughs> experiencing that yeah uh, i'm glad they feel that but yes nagina was high budget but uh, not uh, like a hollywood bollywood high budget <laughs> and we were actually a team of four people so who executed this entire video process and i'm actually very proud that just the four of us were able to pull something at that scale together so it was me uh karan uh, um eop and my then assistant shrishti so four of us we worked on this project and i remember like getting ready for nagina because uh, i didn't have like extra budget for hair and makeup so i was like you know what the hell i'll do the hair and makeup myself <laughs> so for doing that sort of a get up and doing dressing myself like a princess like you know enchantress took yeah. me ages there <laughs> took like four hours just to get ready oh, yeah. and uh, by the time come to shoot i mean like this is real like we one uh, one day we started shooting at 11:30 pm because first of all we had to wait till the night yeah. uh you know even till the sun set because we wanted to shoot in a dark uh, you know atmosphere uh once after that uh, when i got ready you know this is like i think the second day we started shooting i came at 11:30 and my uh, director karan his face was all like oh my god like that long and all the extra <laughs> they like all the soldiers acting they were like kick grapes and waiting and it was so goofy they were all fake and uh, yeah the shoot went on till like 4 am and 5 am i mean mm-hmm. it was that long uh, but i am just so glad that we were able to put everything together and then you know going to the desert and shooting there that was another deal uh talking to random like uh, camel riders and getting camel uh, camels <laughs> on to video and like just quickly explain explaining to them that hey you have to do this so they were not actors the people on the camel they were actual camel riders who wow. convinced them to be featured in the video and they were really nice and uh, they even let me uh, sit on their camels for like Aww. a couple of pictures that's amazing uh, Yeah, Nagina was truly an extremely amazing experience for me as an artist. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to know about how to deal with a video of that magnitude, it made me, you know, it made me learn a lot of things. Uh, in fact, for all of us involved in this project, uh, it was it was a very big deal. And then doing the editing, I uh, did a good portion of editing. I think about seventy percent of the editing was done by me. and wow. um, another wow. special effects were done by Karan and all the other you know jin bang things the fancy things the editing were done by so yeah that's how 
Medina. Sorry for the extreme long answer, but oh, Medina. Oh no, that's perfect. That's <laughs> I completely understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because Medina is a video which is hard to explain in like a small paragraph because that's <laughs> more than a song, you know. So yeah, I'm very glad it did the way it did on the mm-hmm. internet. It's at 5.7 million views right now, nice. and uh, I, I think that's a very good number for an independent artist to achieve uh, without any publicity and you know all the PR campaigns and things like that. So that was Medina. That's amazing. Congratulations. We're really proud of it. <laughs> all right well why don't we listen to one more song so this one is a little bit more of a traditional asman set all right here we go enjoy guys
Awesome. All right. So I had one more question before we close our show. Is um, do you how do you credit social media in the way that your music has been successful? How do you manage your social media? And do you have any tips for us for other artists on it? Yeah, I mean, let's say when it comes to uh, social media, I think I'm very. Uh, I mean, I am very quick to social media and. Um, YouTube as a pl- platform has done immensely great for artists like me and so many of us, you know, independent artists. Otherwise, were just at the beck and mercy of composers and all the uh, who's who and you know all the big guys in the industry. And to cut through all of that hierarchy was uh, just another thing, another struggle. And because of that grind, a lot of artists was, would just be lost, you know, like you never even hear about so many artists because they never got the chance, so to say. But I think uh, platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, they give you that power in your own hands. And now your success is actually in your own hands. I mean, how beautiful is that? Like, you know, you could actually get to somewhere or get to nowhere, and that completely depends on your efforts. So uh, that's definitely a very important gateway, but that doesn't mean that everybody, all the artists who come on social media are going to make it. You've got to plan, you've got to strategize your moves. There's a lot of work even after you put yourself out there on social media. But social media is... Uh, one of the greatest tools in our generation to put ourselves out there and uh, really do something for ourselves. Once you were able to do something for yourself, you can obviously do a lot for others. Uh, I think for as tips, I would definitely say that uh, to a lot of artists uh, who probably jump straight into doing, let's say, originals, uh, more power to you guys. I know the creativity flows through and you want to, you know, really show the world what you've got and things like that. But I personally feel as an artist from my journey and from what I've observed uh, from other artists and their channels is that doing covers is actually not a bad idea at all. Like, I think, in fact, that's a great way to put yourself out there because nobody is really looking for your originals as such, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, how do I put this in a non-offensive way? Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. Say, that's true. Yeah, well, what I need to say is that you need to first let people know that you exist, you know. After you let people know that you exist is when you can, you know, bring out your existence, and, you know, and like, really put your music out there so mm-hmm. that you even have some listeners. Otherwise, it's uh, a really... A real uphill journey. So um, I did that. Like I did a lot of covers before getting to Nagina. I wanted to have a certain uh, amount of subscribers, certain amount of people who watch me on a periodic basis, so that when I put my original, there are people who are going to watch and respond, things like that. So yeah, and plus you know doing covers lets you also, um, you know. Uh, lets you also do a lot with your playing style you know it lets you discover who you are as an artist what kind of music resonates with you what kind of sound resonates with you and that's not important journey so i think that's one of my tips uh for artists who are looking at putting themselves out there on social media 
For sure. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And I think actually your answer gave me the answer to my next question, which is I was wondering if you have anything to say to a younger artist on finding their true voice. Like, what would you recommend they explore to find their style, their voice, their element? Yeah. So, like you said, that's definitely one of the ways to go. Even for me, as an artist, doing what about four years now of YouTube, uh, I think I still struggle, you know, to find out what my sound is, what my audience likes, because I have a very diverse audience, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, some people like some kind of music from me, some people kind of like another kind of music from me. So, as an artist, uh, well. For everyone, it's very important to play around with many different styles of music, unless, you know, of course, you're very sure. This is only for people like me who aren't really sure about what they want to do. Uh, so for people like that, it's very important for you to play with different styles of music and then hammer down on that one style of music that really connects with you and your audience and then take it from there, stick to it and do this. You know, as creators, it's very important for us uh, to put out good quality content and uh, that's another thing that a lot of uh, you know budding musicians can do absolutely agree thank you so much archie i've learned so much today and i'm sure this has given value to a lot of artists out there too to inspire them to explore their true style and i love your music i love your videos and to thank you more properly for actually being on the show today i would like to send you one of my original signed CDs. This is an album that came out in December. So I can't wait to send this to you and have you sort of give me a little bit of feedback of what you think about it. That would be amazing. So after we're done off the air, I'm gonna ask you where I can ship this. And you guys, before we go, <laughs> don't forget that you can find Archie. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So uh, you can find Archie always on her Snake Charmer channel on YouTube, on Facebook at the Snake Charmer 03, on Instagram at the Snake Charmer Bagpiper, on Twitter as TH Snake Charmer. And go ahead, watch her videos, especially right now while we're all in quarantine. The best thing you can do is find amazing artists like that and be inspired right so plan strategize but also enjoy what you do and i think this is what today has been about thank you so much for being on the show i can't wait to share this with everyone My pleasure thank you and <laughs> i think excellent thank uh, you i hope i just didn't uh yap like a whole ton of bullshit that people didn't want to listen to <laughs> but uh, yeah i hope uh that this sort of an interview uh, would help anybody who's looking at doing something in the music industry and in the YouTube world. Um, it's definitely a journey, but something that we all cherish. You know, even now when I look back at a lot of my videos, I was like, oh my God, I could have done this differently. Like, you know, wow, this was another time when I had like peanut budget and, you know, we still pulled off something. So yeah, de definitely. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for having me here on the interview. Thank you. And we're going to close with an amazing cover of Dragon Ball Final 3. Woohoo! Bye! Yay. <laughs> Bye!